0: Hey, good morning. Man, it's great to be back with you. It's been a while since I got to be here with you on a, on a weekday morning at 9 o'clock. So Jonathan Dunn, streaming live here from Rick Rigbonfin Ministries, and <clears throat> uh, was, was running around uh, Turkey with my friend Jason, who you heard yesterday morning. Teach on prayer, and I, I've got a teaching on prayer this morning as well. This is a we're th- we're going to do a theme this whole week. Every morning is on is on prayer, and uh, so we invite you to continue joining with us uh, every morning at nine o'clock as as we look at just prayer. It's a spiritual discipline, something that uh, Jesus did all the time, and so something that's certainly worth our attention and worth looking at. Would you would you pray with me now? As we begin, God, uh, we just ask that you would reveal to us something about prayer, about our life of prayer, about how we approach prayer, about what is in your heart regarding prayer that would encourage us, would uh, lift our spirits, those who feel discouraged in their prayer life. Right now, Lord, would be, would be uplifted and reminded, God, that, uh, that it's not futile and that uh, there is power in prayer. Lord and that that you would uh, just guide our hearts this morning in Jesus name amen so turn to Luke 11 Luke chapter 11 the Gospel of Luke and and in the Gospel of Luke uh, there's a there's a section here that is really dedicated to to Jesus teaching his disciples about prayer and it says in Luke 11 verses 1 all the way through 13. And in here we have Luke's rendition of the Lord's Prayer, but it's uh, it's sort of presented in a, in a unique context to Luke. And so it starts in verse 1 as a narrative, right? Part of the story of what Jesus is doing. So just in, you know, in, in the everyday life of Jesus walking around with His disciples, it said, and it came to pass that, as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, "Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples." Now I gotta love this disciple. It doesn't say which of the disciples uh, it is that it requested this. It just says one of one of his disciples. And i got to love this disciple, you know, because I just sort of picture them, you know, these guys have come out of running around hoping they can catch a fish or, you know, seeing how they can get some food on the table the next day or just sort of whatever their life was like, just ordinary life, and, and Jesus comes along and just completely changes everything, and suddenly they're just trying to keep up with Jesus, right? I mean... <laughs> And it's funny as you read the Gospels, <clears throat> a lot of times these these poor disciples they just say the wrong thing and do the wrong thing, and Jesus is having to correct them. I mean they're 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 trying to figure it out, just like us, right? That's why I love the Gospels, and I love that the disciples are presented as as ones who, in many ways, I mean one, they they were powered by the Holy Spirit. Don't get me wrong, and they changed the world forever the, when they built the early church, but but in the beginning man they they just they kind of like a fish out of water. They're just trying to figure this out. And so they noticed that Jesus is praying and they 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 noticed that there's something about the way that Jesus prayed that just wasn't the same. You know? I mean, when Jesus prayed, you had this feeling that something was actually happening. You know that that it wasn't just dead prayers. Uh I'll tell you right now that I believe that Jesus prayed in the Spirit, and uh, that's fine if you want to disagree with me. But uh, but I believe that with all my heart. I believe that He prayed in the Spirit. I believe that He He prayed in a thousand different spiritual languages. He was given the Spirit without limit. Uh, that was that's John, Gospel of John three. Oh, I'm gonna forget it. Anyway. He was given the Spirit without limit, So I believe that he prayed in the Spirit. Now, there was something that the disciple noticed. And, Man, when Jesus prays, there's really something that happens here. And so he says, Well, you know, Jesus, John, John the Baptist taught his disciples how to pray. So, you know, I'd like to learn how to pray. Now that's a good request. And I want to suggest... You know, all of us have an idea of what it means to pray. And these disciples did too. They they sort of had a concept for it. But there was something about the way that Jesus prayed that was different than what they'd seen. It, it, it sort of was, was outside of their previous understanding of prayer. And so my suggestion is that whatever your idea of prayer, whatever you think about prayer, whatever preconceived ideas you have about it, you would start with Jesus, would you teach me something I don't know yet about prayer? Or if there's something I've assumed to be true about prayer that's not what prayer really is in the Christian life, would you show me would you show me where I'm just, you know, futile in my prayer life because I'm running I'm running on an idea that's not even from the Lord about prayer. And and I believe God will do that. So let's see what Jesus does here. So first of all, turn your hearts. Assume that you don't know everything there is to know about prayer. Assume that we have some things to learn. Assume that we can grow in our prayer life. Assume that we might have some wrong ideas about prayer, and the Lord needs to needs to uh, to change us. So so Jesus says in verse two, and He said to them, when you pray. Then he gives the Lord's Prayer. And of course, he says, when you pray, not if you pray, and we've probably heard that before. So Jesus assumes that you want to pray, that you have a desire to learn how to pray. So he says, when you pray. Then he says the Lord's Prayer. Our Father which art in heaven, I'll go back and we'll look at each one of these, okay? This teaching is based off the Lord's Prayer. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done as in heaven, so in earth give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil so that's the lord's prayer now each one of these steps in the lord's prayer has a has a purpose has a purpose so let's look at the first one is jesus says first of all address god as our Father. Well, now right there, you just have all kinds of, of things you could say. First of all, Father is not, you know, well, it's a, it's a family concept. Especially in that day, to, to appeal to God as the Father was unique, you know. I mean, Jesus appealed to God as the Father. He was the Son of God. And then He t- says to the disciples, you appeal to God as your Father as well. In other words, the father of the household owned everything. It was under his name, okay? And so the father cared for the entire family as the patriarch who owned all of the land and all all the sheep and all the goats and all the cattle. And the father, it was the father's responsibility to see that the family was taken care of and that that everything was working as it was as it should. And so Jesus said it begins with how do you relate to God? Because if you don't have a right understanding of who God is, then your prayer life is dead in the water to start with. You have no engine, you have no rudder, the carburetor is full of water. You're not going anywhere. And uh you've got you've got the you've got the polarity reversed on your battery you will you will fry the c p u you'll burn it to toast so you've got to know who God is or at least begin to get there you know not that we can fully comprehend in our own minds right so no, it's not that you conceptualize god or somehow you you know, have this mental framework that encompasses all that God is. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is by faith. You read the Scriptures, and the Scriptures will tell you who God is, and you say, oh, God, are you really that way? For instance, see, Jesus knew this would be a hard one to understand. Jesus knew it. So He gave a little bit of a, a, a follow-up teaching, beginning in verse 5. And that's where we get... The, the, the explanation here about what does it mean, or how is it that that you approach God in prayer? And he said to them, verse five, which of you shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves? For a friend of mine is a friend of mine in his journey has come to me and I have nothing to set before him. Okay, so I'm a friend who has a friend who comes to me. I have nothing, so I go to another friend. I say, friend, give me some bread from other friend. There you go. And he said from within, shall I shall answer and say, trouble me not, the door is now shut, and my children are, in, are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give you. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him, because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. And I say to you, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find, knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, it shall be opened. For if a son shall ask bread of any of you, <clears throat> who is a father, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit, to them who ask Him. Man, what a beautiful passage that Jesus just sort of brings you along this story and ends it with, listen, if you who are full of a mixture of good and evil know how to give good gifts to somebody, how much more will your Heavenly Father bless you when you come to Him and ask. And so it begins with our understanding of, do we believe that God is good? Because if we don't, then our prayers really are going to be futile, really. I mean, Jesus says you've got to have an understanding that God is good, that God is not out to get you, not out to harm you. There has to be an understanding in our minds that God is not looking down on us just you know, pointing the finger and trying to make life difficult. If that's our understanding of God and we come to God in prayer and that's who we think God is, I mean, what do we think we're going to get? In other words, it's impossible to come to God with faith when that's how we understand God to be. I mean, how can we come to God expecting that when we ask, we're going to receive? If we think that God is not good. So, step number one. God, I don't really understand how good you are. In many ways, I think of you as someone that just ignores me. And doesn't really care about my prayers. But Jesus says, if I'm going to be effective in prayer at all, I've got to have a new understanding of who You are. But God, I just have a hard time really coming to that place. So by faith, the Scriptures say You're good. So by faith, I'm going to say You're good, even though I don't feel it maybe, or I, I haven't really, I can't really testify to a lot of goodness, because maybe, maybe I just haven't seen it the way I think I should. But God, I, I need You to change that in me. Now, that's a good place to start. It's a humble place. It's a place where you just say, "Say God, I, I don't have it all together, but the Scriptures say you're good. So, show me how good you are. I want to believe in God. Give me strength to believe. And that's, that's a place where prayer begins. So, so, Jesus says you pray our Father. And when we pray our Father, it's to a good Father. And that's where it all begins. So, that's step one. Okay. But next... There's a, uh, so there's, there's a, it says our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So, there is a sort of a, uh, a tension here between our good Father who is holy. Now that, now that right there is the separation between the liberal side of the church today and those who are trying to maintain some sort of sense of normalcy and balance in our moral character in the church. Because it's not just our good Father all loving and anything goes with you. No, no, no. Our good Father, who is holy and perfect and cannot be in the presence of sin and does not approve of wrongdoing. And hates evil deeds. And does not compromise or redefine sin to make it easy for us. So you've got to have that tension of the good, good God who is holy and perfect and righteous. And we do not deserve to be in His presence at all by our own merit. It's only through Jesus that we come to the throne of grace. Read the book of Hebrews. That's all in there. So, So there has to be that reverence, that honor to God as the Father. So so there's that tension between the two. Hallowed be Your name. Then, now let's look at the next one. Then it says, Your kingdom come and Your will. Right? Uh, Your kingdom come, Your will be done. As in heaven, so in earth. In other words, it's not My will. So there's a implied in this. The beginning of the prayer is, God, whatever I pray next, I confess that Your will supersedes mine. And I'm probably going to pray some things out of my will, God. (laughs) Right? If we're really honest with ourselves, if we're really honest with God, we're probably going to pray some things that are our will. You know, I think that's okay. No problem. I mean, you know, we could come to God with our hurts, with our honesty, with being truthful to God, right? That's, that you know, because honestly, some things in, in life are very difficult and we just have to come to God and and, and just sort of unload and say, Lord, this is, I, I don't know what to do with all this because I, I'm in a desperate place and things in life have come to a place that I... I I didn't expect them to get to this point and I'm, I'm, I'm sort of at a loss here for how to move forward, God. You know, we all have times like that. That's, that's normal. That's, that's the ebb and flow of life. Okay, But, but if, if coming to God is simply us complaining and saying, God, why don't you do this for me because I'm unhappy, then, then we've kind of come to a bad place because we're simply just unloading God all of our complaints and, and telling God what we want Him to do for us. Instead of saying, God, somewhere in the midst of all of this confusion and chaos in my life, You have a will. You have a will. And I confess that it is probably not my will lining up with Yours. You've got a will somewhere in the midst of all this. And I need Your will to supersede mine. Because if it doesn't, then I become the master of my own destiny and then you're asking God to bow down to whatever your will is and God will never do that. God can't do that. Because God is holy. God is above all things. God is sovereign. And it's us that have to bow to His will. And that could be a difficult thing when you're in a tough place in life. Right? Say, okay God, how long is this going to last? <laughs> right. We've all been there. How long is this going to last? Because if this is your will, it doesn't feel very good right now. And that's an honest place, and I think God can handle that prayer. I mean, the Jesus prayed that in the garden. Lord, I don't want to do this. This is about to get hard. I'm about to suffer. A lot of things, Father, is this? Are you sure this is your will? If it is, I'll surrender to it, but God, I just want to make sure, okay, God, and he did it. He did it. Jesus, is, so where are you in life? Are you going through a hard time where your will, what you want, what you expected out of life is not matching up with where you are? You know, God might have you in that place. But know this He's not asking you to do anything that Jesus didn't do himself. So he's not singling you out and uh, you know, somehow making you the runt of the of the litter. That's a that's a that's an English American colloquial phrase, right? Apologize for those of you watching overseas have no idea what that's talking about. The runt of the litter means you pick this one out and this one's no good. You you have to suffer more than all the rest. You, you look down upon and all the, all the rest get it easy. No. Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, had it the most difficult. More difficult than any of us will ever endure. And we've got to remember that in the hard times. That Jesus prayed this same prayer in the garden. He set it as an example. And in the garden He said, Your will, God. Okay, your will. Then, then we begin with uh, so that surrender. Then we, then we begin with depending on God. Give us today, give us day by day our daily bread. In other words, God, you are my provider. I want you to know that somebody told me recently, within the last week and it's a Christian person that I respect a lot, said that they believe that everybody should have a goal to have a million dollars saved up in retirement by the time they're retirement age. That's, they believe that every person should have a million dollars goal by retirement. Jason, how far are you from that? A million and one? About. Jason's at a negative one. I'm right there with him, man. We're walking the same path. I mean, I honestly don't know what to do with that. Honestly, because, you know, that just feels so American to me. And I'm not saying that it's wrong for people to save up for retirement. I believe that there's a lot of people, but you know, the first thing I thought about, and I'm kind of talking to pastors or those that are called to full-time ministry right now. I kind of thought about the Levites. You know? The Levites served the Lord in the temple. And they depended on the offerings of the people for their sustenance. I mean, that was, that was it. They didn't have land to work. They weren't, they weren't selling cattle. They weren't, you know, they weren't shearing their sheep and making, you know, uh, weaving garments and selling them for trade. I mean, they weren't they weren't harvesting uh, dates and selling them to you know their neighboring countries. They were serving the Lord. They were called to serve the Lord, and they depended on the offerings of the people to survive, to make it day by day. And I, that's just that's just where I am. I mean, I people give to Wakebond Ministries, we pay the bills, and we keep going. And uh and I'm and I'm day by day. And so that's just a personal testimony, and I understand even even those who sort of maybe have a large net worth or you're managing a large portfolio, in many ways you're you're day by day as well because, you know, uh sometimes <laughs> Most of the time, it goes just as fast as it comes. And, you know, those of you in that position know what I'm talking about. So, you're, you know, many of, many of you are offering up to the Lord day by day your portfolio and saying, Lord, if, you know, you gave me this and you could take it away at any moment. And, and you're in that place and that's a good, and that's fine. That's where you need to be. Um, but I'm in a different place as, as someone who's called to full-time ministry and that's where I have to be. And I just have to be okay with the fact that the Lord has me there. You know, the, Lord, the Lord's going to have to pay for my college for the kids. The Lord's going to the Lord's gonna have to, you know, take care of me. When I get to retirement age, I'll be preaching in a wheelchair, some little church, you know, getting a, getting a housing allowance and a little bit of pay on top of my Social Security if it's still there. And the Lord's just going to have to take care of me day by day, you know. I don't know what else to say. So we depend on the Lord to provide. Now, that's a difficult place to be because our culture and our society teaches us to depend on ourselves, to depend on our uh, financial systems, and all of that for for our sustenance and provision. Uh, But Jesus says that when you come to God in prayer, you better be in a place of dependence. Because if you come to God in prayer... But you're depending on yourself, then really, what are you coming to God for? What are you coming to God for? To, just to tell God how well you've done? God's not impressed with that. <laughs> so we've got to come with a in, a in a with dependence, whether you have a lot or a little, we have to come dependent. Then it says, forgive us our sins. Okay? For we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. So here we get to um, sort of the spiritual and relational aspect of God. You have forgiven us our sins, so we are brought into right relationship with You because of Your forgiveness. In other words, God, uh, I am dependent on Your forgiveness. If You don't forgive me, I'm hopeless. Because I cannot earn Back the righteousness that I've lost from my bad decisions. I have to depend on you to forgive me. And if you don't forgive me, then I'm in a bad place. But thanks be to God, we are forgiven. We are eternally forgiven through Jesus Christ. He offered forgiveness of sins through the sacrificial system. We are offered eternal forgiveness through Christ. And then God says, okay. Then, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. In other words, if I'm going to depend on God's forgiveness for my sins, I better be willing to offer forgiveness to others. In other words, why in the world, how in the world could I come to God and expect that He's going to forgive me if I'm refusing to forgive others? We could teach on that for, for days. We teach that on our trips. Um, You know, and that's just a whole part of our curriculum and our discipleship program. Um, And I've got three minutes left, so I can't get into that. But then, so forgiveness must be in a place of forgiveness. And finally, deliverance. Deliver us from evil. In other words, God, I don't want evil in my life. Have you compromised in any way to allow things that are not from God to just exist in your life? It's time to look at them and recognize and say, God, that's not from You. I have put up with that in my life long enough. And that is ruining it. Whether, whatever it is, a habit, a relationship, an attitude, Uh, the way you spend your time, uh, a demon. Put up. Sometimes we put up with demons, not necessarily, you know, uh, controlling us or being possessed by a demon, but but allowing demons to just harass us with thoughts, and we know, we know when they're going to come, right? We know, we, we know exactly the environment that they come in. But for some reason, we just allow ourselves to slip into that environment again and just let the demon play with our minds. And we've got to say, no! No! Got to resist the devil, and he will flee. In other words, if you know the environment that allows the demon to come, change the environment change the environment get out of the environment do something don't watch the show don't stay up late at night whatever it is don't listen to that music anymore that you know brings on the depression Uh, don't talk to that person anymore. Because every time you talk to that person, the thoughts come again. But Jesus says, in prayer, we can be delivered from evil. And so in prayer, we got to resist evil. And we got to say, God, I've had enough of that. I've got to be delivered from it. What do I need to do? I don't care, you know, if it's the best show that's ever been created or the best movie or the best music or this person's you know been my friend for so long i've got to make a change god i can't put up with this anymore the devil has gotten in and it's just a part of my life now but there i can't do it anymore god so we can be delivered from evil and we've got to believe that god knows our weaknesses and he is ready to deliver us from temptation he's ready to deliver us and set us free ask God to help you. Recognize what it is and make a change. Well, this was a little Bible study on the Lord's Prayer. How to pray. How to approach prayer. I hope it was helpful to you. I hope you learned a few nuggets, you know. Maybe it didn't revolutionize, but maybe you got a few nuggets, you know. Or maybe it just encouraged you. You know, maybe you've just kind of been a little down and out. Prayer life is. Just kind of seemed a little ho hum, and maybe you just got encouraged, and the Lord is building you back up. And uh, I hope that hope that something like that happened to you. Continue to pray for our team in Brazil. They are ministering to a church there, uh, way up north, uh, four hours north of Rio, and uh, blessing the people there. They've got uh, one more service tonight, and then they drive back to Rio de Janeiro or Niteroi, Santa Barbara. Tomorrow, and uh, finish the trip, and they'll be back Sunday. So pray for them to have a the last uh, days of their trip will be blessed and filled with just power and just uh, the Lord would move and and uh, have all kinds of wonderful testimonies of deliverance and, and healing and breakthrough. We'll see you tomorrow morning as uh, Andy Hines will bring us another teaching on prayer. Have a great day. Yeah, What's the I mean.